Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with the managing editor of our Indiana sister site, Crimson Quarry, Mike Miller. This week, the 4-0, ninth-ranked Big Ten East-leading Indiana Hoosiers will travel to Columbus to take on the 3-0, third-ranked, second-place in the Big Ten East Ohio State Buckeyes. This is certainly not the Big Ten marquee matchup that everyone foresaw at the beginning of the season, but it has become the biggest game on Ohio State's regular season slate, and honestly, it's not even that close. In our conversation, Mike and I discuss what IU head coach Tom Allen has done to turn the Hoosier program around, what makes quarterback Michael Penix Jr. so dangerous, how the Indiana secondary will look to corral Justin Fields and his talented wide receivers, and much, much more. All right, with all of that stuff now out of the way, here's my conversation with Crimson Quarry's Mike Miller. First off, Mike, I, I've got to say, watching Indiana has been one of the highlights for for at least me, and I know a lot of other people, and a lot of other actually land grant uh, staffers as well. It's been a lot of fun to watch them this season, um, especially because they're doing so much better than Penn State and Michigan, which is always that much more fun. Um, but what's it been like for an IU fan? There's been an upward trajectory for this program over the last few years, but to see him have such great success early on in this season, what's it been like for an uh, for an Indiana fan? It's It's been that, how do I say this? It feels like that once in a generation, and I'm, I'm, I think it's not even fair to say once in a generation because it is so rare that you have a season like this uh, with Indiana football, it's it's frankly it's just been the season of a lifetime so far. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I don't even think this week really defines the season. I don't think beating Wisconsin defines the season. I think they've already done enough to to really uh, you know build momentum for this program. And I think a lot of what they've done is sustainable. Um, you know, I, I think if you were to pull a lot of Indiana fans, I don't think anyone's really expecting a win this week. Uh, really, what I think a lot of fans wanted to see this year was. You know, how, how do you make the most of a season like this where you can't really rely on traditional metrics to judge uh, success and failure? I think for a lot of fans, you know, getting some type of signature win, you know, beating the laundry, you know, across the field, beating a Penn State, beating a Michigan teams that, you know, when those helmets are on the field against IU, it just seems yeah. like, you know, it's just one thing after another. building momentum and, and building, frankly, belief. Um, and I think that's probably the, the biggest theme of this season so far. There's belief in the locker room. There is belief in base as well. I, I think fans are, are seeing a team that for the first time uh, believes in itself and is uh, confident in its abilities and confident in, it, in its leadership uh, you know, at all levels of the coaching staff. It's just a team that's really come together. And I, I think it's a real tribute to uh, a, a lot of the work that, that Tom Allen's done. Uh, behind the scenes over the last yeah. couple of years. It's been a, uh, uh, frankly, it's been a really remarkable year uh, to, to come together like this in, in ways that I'm not sure. I, I think a lot of people have kind of given up, I don't want to say given up hope, but uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's been hard to really picture this reality uh, coming to fruition uh, as it has this season. Yeah. I mean, and you, you mentioned Tom Allen and the work he's done over the years. I don't remember what game it was or even what year it was. It might've been his first or second year in Bloomington. And I just remember, something that has been emblematic of who I think Tom Allen is ever since then. But 
Indiana won a game, and I, I think it was a fairly big game or a fairly close game. I don't even remember what it was, but it was re- it was really raining for most of the game and really uh, kind of nasty weather. And after the game, there weren't a ton of fans left in the crowd, but there were some students like hanging over on the tunnel or wherever it was that he was leaving the field. And Tom Allen, the, the TV broadcast, just showed him like jumping up and down like I mean, getting some pretty decent air to give these fans fives that were like, you know, quite a bit above him. And I was just so worried that he was going to fall and bust his ass, but he did not care. He was just so excited about the win, so excited about um, the program and the fans and all this stuff. And for me, that's who he's been. Uh, Obviously a great coach on the field, but somebody who really exemplifies what you have to have to build a program and to turn a program around. From your perspective, what is it about his leadership and his program building that has, you know, kind of like you said, not only just turned Indiana into a pretty good team during a weird pandemic year, but into a team that could be set up to have a lot of success in the years to come? Yeah, uh, that scene you mentioned, that was, gosh, that was the, the 2018 season. It was the Virginia was- game. It was the remnants of a hurricane were, were passing through the Midwest. And it was just, oh, my God, that 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 afternoon, that evening was awful. It was just, I think there may have been 8,000 people in the stands. The weather was terrible. It was cold and wet. And, yeah, Tom Allen, after the game, you noticed that there was, like, I don't know, maybe 100, 200 students who had, who had stuck it out, watched the whole game. Uh, and, yeah, he ran over and, and wanted to salute. And that's I think that's one thing that – I think a lot of fans have appreciated too with Tom Allen. It's just uh, there's, he's very genuine. He, he's very genuine yeah, and yeah. deliberate in how he approaches coaching. Uh, but, you know, look, I think that the college football coaching profession is, is full of some interesting uh, to say the least characters, some questionable <laughs> characters, uh, shall we say. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, Tom Allen is sort of a breath of fresh air, not just for Indiana fans, but I think for, for, the, for, for college football in general to see a guy who, who is just a, a, a genuinely good guy and, and he cares about his players. And, and to your question, when, when Tom Allen was hired in 2016, he was coming to a program that, you know, you probably know from, from watching, you know, Indiana from afar, Indiana just never had a defense for going on, you know, decades, you know, multiple decades, uh, just no semblance of defensive uh, planning, consistency. It was just, it was a mess. Um, and, and what he did, was it was it was actually interesting. So Kevin Wilson was the head coach at the time, and he asked him, you know, what, you know, or you know, I think the conversation went. They didn't even talk about scheme. They talked about, well, how how would you approach this? How would you do this if I hired you as my defensive coordinator? And Tom Allen said, you know, it's all about belief. It's about trust. And so Tom Allen gets the job. He comes in. The first thing he does is not, you know, change up the scheme, change up things, and you know, assert his his kind of plays. He called every member of the defense scholarship, walk-on players alike, called them all into his office one at a time for individual meetings. Some were 15 minutes, some lasted an hour, whatever it was. Um, he sat everybody down and just wanted to get them, get to know them personally because his whole approach was, you know, I can't get these guys to believe in themselves until they believe in me. And so he was just trying to establish trust, get to know them on a personal level. Um, and, and I think from a very early point in that 2016 season, uh, guys really just bought into Tom Allen, the man, even more so than the coach. Yeah, he knows what he's doing as a coach. He's an accomplished coach. Uh, and everywhere he's been, um, th- there's been turnaround uh, with, with, with the uh, positions he's led. Uh, but, you know, I, I think when he came to Indiana, coming to a group that had been so beaten down mentally, I mean, that, that was really the big thing. It was just such uh, the, the mental strain, I think, that losing and being told that you're, you're terrible and 
having the numbers to back that up and showing that you that you're <laughs> yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that weighs, I think that really weighed on those guys and having a guy come in here with a totally fresh approach that really, you know, embrace sort of that, that, you know, that parental approach to, to coaching. Um, I, I think a lot of guys bought in. And so there's just over the, the last two years, there has just been this bubbling sense of belief. And it started to, you started to see it on the other side of the ball on offense. When he took over as head coach, he was doing the same things and meeting with guys and getting to know them on individual levels. Now, you know, I'm sure there are other coaches who, who do things like, uh, you know, around the country, but I, again, I think just with Tom Allen and his personality and just being the genuine guy that he is, uh, I think that really resonates with folks. And I, you know, I really think that's another reason why, you know, he's able to get some of the recruits he has, like it's, you know, Indiana yeah. is now recruiting at a level where they're, you know, you know, I think anytime you can get inside the top 50 recruiting wise, top 40 recruiting wise, you're doing a heck of a job at Indiana. Uh, and he's done that. And I think a lot of his success in recruiting is being able to go into homes and talk to parents and have uh, you know families visit the campus. And for those families to get to see that, you know, this is a good guy. And he's, he, you know, I, it, I always feel weird talking about Tom Allen and he's, again because you know i think as we've seen across college you know coaching it you know these guys a lot of times put on an act and they're trying to sell you something that's not always there to be sold um but again with tom allen i I think that i've seen it over the years just being close to that program uh and also just the stories that have come out of it you know it it does i think come from a genuine place and i think you know again it's not just a football thing it's not just a scheme thing i think with tom allen it really is just a human being thing it's a it's a genuine human connection thing that uh, I think he his, through his emotional and uh, individualistic approach to coaching, I think he's found a way to, to get the most out of his players. Yeah, absolutely. I I imagine that Tom Allen's uh, approach to things might have been quite different than what some of those players were used to with Kevin Wilson. But but let's turn to like what's happening on the field um, with Indiana this year. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. This will be his, it's his third year, but it'll be as actually his first game, knock on wood, assuming nothing crazy happens between now and Saturday, that has actually played Ohio State. He was injured uh, f- uh, when Ohio State came to Bloomington last year. So for Buckeye fans who might not have gotten to see him up close and personal, especially this season where he's kind of made, uh, he's been healthy and he's taken another step forward, what makes him such a dynamic weapon and leader on offense? I think it starts with his arm. I mean, he's just got, he's got a heck of an arm. I mean, just great. He's a left-hander um, and he can really sling it and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I, I really, the, the one big knock on him, I think is probably his footwork and, and some of the mechanical things because just naturally speaking, the, the talent is the guy threads very tight windows uh, with fastballs that are, are you know, they, they kind of catch you by surprise. And I think they catch a lot of defenders by surprise as well. Uh, but he, he's got a lot of arm talent. I, I think that's the number one thing. But, you know, two, like I said, he's I think he does a really good job of minimizing mistakes. He, he, I don't think he I think he sees the field pretty well. Um, and, uh, you know, he's 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 a type of quarterback that that India, you know, they had a good quarterback in Nate Sudfeld a couple of years ago. And then we're trying to kind of find their way and just haven't had the real arm talent at that position in a few years. But but man, he can really sling it. And, uh, um, you know, I, in addition to, like I said, some of the, the footwork and, and mechanics stuff, uh, you know, the big question with him coming into this year was health. I mean, he was, uh, uh, I think it was a knee injury in 2018 that, that uh, prevented him from playing the last month of the season, uh, although he's probably going to register it anyway, so it might have been moot. But uh, yeah. an injury nonetheless ended his 2018 freshman season. And last year, um, I forget off the top of my head, I think it was a shoulder injury, but either way, 
uh, an injury that, that kept him off. So there was this kind of concern, I think, with IU fans that, all right, is this guy made of glass? Is he going to be able to, you know, withstand a season in the Big Ten? Well, he bulked up over the offseason. And, you know, in addition to just simply having the talent, you know, I, I think we're, we're really starting to see the quarterback that I think a lot of folks believe was there all along. Um, you know, it was interesting going back to his um, in 2018, uh, that was, there was a quarterback competition in camp. They had uh, Michael Penix, they had Peyton Ramsey, who's now at Northwestern. And they also had Brandon Dawkins, who is a quarterback at Arizona. They brought Dawkins in, he's a grad transfer. And I, I think a lot of folks thought, all right, they're bringing in this grad transfer because they got, you know, two pretty young, kind of inexperienced quarterbacks right now. Dawkins will be the guy. Well, Dawkins was not the guy. Dawkins was like third on the depth chart and didn't, you know, <laughs> transferred out after camp because it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, but in that camp, what was fascinating to watch when, you know, in those windows that we had to, to peek into practice was, I mean, it wasn't even close. Michael Penix was the best quarterback. I mean, he had the better arm than Peyton Ramsey. He just looked like a big 10 quarterback, even from those early, early days, freshman year. So, uh, you know, with seasoning, with time, with being able to develop uh, with that offense over the last couple of years, I think you're really seeing, uh, a player that's that's kind of playing above his experience of best. And uh, you couple that with the arm talent that he has. And um, it's it's I think a lot of Indiana fans go into these games this season with a lot of confidence, knowing that they have a quarterback who, um, you know, I, I think right now is on is on the short list of, of uh, top passers in the conference. And it certainly doesn't hurt that he's got a pair of wide receivers um, and Ty Freifogel and Wap Filer. Is it wait, hold on. Give me, let me make sure I get this right. Is it? How do you say WAP's last name? Because I've heard it so many different ways. I want to make sure I don't screw this up. <laughs> uh, WAP Filior. Filior. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they, I've heard so many different ones. So, um, but he's got two guys who um, are, are pretty darn good. Ohio State fans think that they've got a pair of wide receivers who are are really good in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. But Olave is more of a deep threat. Wilson is more of an inside guy. Um, for Indiana, are Ty and Wap complementary receivers like that, or do they kind of, or does Indiana kind of deploy them in the same way and just you know let Michael Penix kind of figure out which one's more open, or, or how are they used um, and for the most part in the Indiana offense? I think with Wap, I mean he was he was sort of the guy coming into this season. He was sort of number one yeah. on that uh, the receiver list for Indiana. Just you know he, he's just got such great athleticism. He's a fast. Uh, fast receiver. I, I think he does a lot of his damage in space. So he's the kind of guy that Indiana likes to get him, you know, over the middle or in some one-on-one -on -one matchups, uh, you know, crossing the field where he can really put his athleticism and speed to work. And, uh, you know, Ty Freifogel is an interesting case because um, I, I wrote a couple of weeks ago, actually, that, you know, he's, he's not the first name you really have thought of, or maybe not even the second name you thought of when it came to Indiana receivers the last couple of years. He's uh, even just by nature, he's a quiet kid, uh, doesn't talk a whole lot. Uh, and, and he was uh, frankly kind of forgotten. And I frankly kind of forgot about him in the mix at receiver for Indiana, but uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who's uh, really asserted himself the last few weeks and done. So um, I don't want to necessarily say it's a surprise, but it, I mean, it's kind of been a surprise. It's uh, you're seeing a guy who's, you know, being showing an ability to stretch the field, win one-on-one -on -one matchups with some physicality in there as well. Um, so yeah, they're two totally different receivers. And, and I think Billiard's the kind of guy that they like to get, uh, over the middle into space and, and let him kind of take off. And, uh, as opposed to, I think Ty Freifogel is more a guy that, uh, they're going to try to stretch the field with a little bit more and, and try to win some of those one-on-one, -on -one, you know, physical big 10 matchups on the perimeter. It's interesting. Cause when I'm going through and looking at, um, Ohio state and Indiana as two 
you know, honestly, Indiana is the leader in the Big Ten East right now uh, because Ohio State is uh, short one game. But they are similar in a lot of ways. Not only are they kind of past first offenses, but neither of them are necessarily great in the running game. I think Ohio State's racked up a few more yards just by virtue of, of repetition. But um, it, neither one of them have a great, you know, rushing yards per attempt or anything like that. Is there anybody outside of the passing game in the wide receivers? Is there maybe a tight end or a running back who can make a difference and make an impact, even if it's just, you know, one or two plays here or there throughout the game for Indiana? Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting part of, uh, you know, those two positions you mentioned, you know, tight end and running back. It's really interesting because I I think the coaching staff, they really like the the personnel they have at those positions. Uh, But for a a number of reasons, I, I just don't think they've seen, guys at those spots really surface consistently. Um, you know, you look at tight end Peyton Hendershot, I think is a guy who they believe has, you know, next level upside. Uh, I think we really saw it last year. I saw, I think we saw a player who again was tapping into that potential, uh, a real athletic pass catching threat, uh, you know, down the field, uh, this year, you know, it, it just feels like drop in something that have really hurt Peyton Hendershot, uh, for the bulk of the season. He's just not really, been that that go to you know consistent uh even you know safety valve if you want to call him that that you thought he might be going into the season you know coming off a year where he's um i think all big 10 at, at some level uh and, and really showing that he had you know some of the tools that could get him to that next level uh so it's just not really been there consistently at the tight end position as far as uh production in the passing game but I, you know, I, I think that they like the options that they have. It's really an interesting position, or at least I thought it was going to be coming into the season. Again, they have a. It's you know, for the first time, I, I've been covering this program in, in various capacities for eight seasons now. Really, in that span, um, it, it's hard to think of a time when they've actually had you know more than one or two tight ends that that they can really trust, and more than one or two tight ends that are actually interesting and have some really intriguing upside, but they really do this year. Uh, but just for whatever reason, really haven't seen it consistently uh, show up in, in uh, you know, passing game production. Uh, but then, it, you know, in the backfield or at the uh, running back positions, again, it's a situation where I think that they like the players that they have. I mean, they have a guy uh, Scott, who uh, has really been the workhorse the last couple of years, just, uh, you know, he's a real physical back, just, you know, really, uh, you know, you know, good North South type of runner, uh, real strong and physical. And then you have Samson James, who I'm, I'm guessing probably some of your uh, readers and fans mm-hmm. would probably be familiar with a guy who flipped uh, his commitment to Indiana a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and he's, he's got a little bit more wiggle and twitch to him. He can uh, do some things that, that aren't really uh, in uh, Stevie Scott's uh, toolbox uh, per se. So they, they like what they have there, but you know, running game just hasn't, hasn't surfaced consistently. And you know, I, I I'm not sure I know how to effectively and honestly diagnose it other than to just say that. Uh, but with that, you know, they've had some injury, injuries on the offensive line. I mean, last week, uh, you know, the entire starting left side of the line was out for, for, you know, undisclosed reasons, uh, read into that, what you will. Uh, but I, it, they didn't have those guys available. Um, offensive line, I think was a question mark coming into the season anyway. Um, I, you know, I think you'd like to have eight, nine guys. And I think we felt they had about six, uh, you got some intriguing young guys, but guys just who aren't really uh, equipped to really contribute, uh, you know, at, at the Big Ten level right now. They like their starting guys, I think. But again, you know, it's it's just not really been there consistently. The right tackle is a guy uh, who they won a, a a tight recruiting battle with. I think it was Mississippi State. It's off the top of my head. I might be wrong, but a guy who they really like and 
really think has NFL upside. He's only a sophomore, uh, but it, it, he has not been great so far this year. Uh, and again, you know, he's at right tackle. He's he's the he's protecting Michael Penix's blind side this year. They flipped right. him uh, from left uh, where he was last year with uh, Peyton Ramsey. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's. Th- the offensive line just, ha- it hasn't been great. Uh, but then again, you know, on the flip side, there have been moments where we've seen, I think, some really encouraging signs uh, with the Indiana running game. I mean, you go to the Michigan game and I mean, that was a game where Indiana just beat the brakes off of Michigan. It really was not a close <laughs> game at all. No. And we saw something you just don't see in an Indiana Michigan matchup, which is at the end of the game, Indiana was just grinding it out and just asserting their will on the line. And that is a matchup where, as you well know, because it's very similar to the Ohio State matchup, but it is a matchup where Indiana just never has that physical advantage. And they just asserted it uh, late in that game, you know, grinding out that Michigan win, uh, you know, on the ground. And it's just, it was very surprising given, you know, some of the inconsistencies we've seen up front and coupled with the fact that, you know, it's Michigan on the other side of the line. Um, So the running game, it's, I think it's been there in fits and starts, but just consistently and, you know, it it hasn't really shown up early in games. And I I think that's really what a lot of folks are hoping to see. It's, you know, on some level is, you know, again, can that running game show up a little bit earlier and really can it, can it show up in more consistent doses? Cause it just hasn't been there, uh, you know, in that way so far. Yeah. The, the way that Indiana wore down Michigan was, an absolutely beautiful sight to behold. And I uh, will thank, <laughs> will thank them for giving that to us early in the season for many years to come. But um, just a couple more questions here. I want to wrap up with, I mentioned the fact that Ohio state like Indiana doesn't do much in the running game. It's kind of just there to say, Hey, don't forget we can run the ball, but it's really all about Justin Fields and passing um, for Ohio state. But Indiana is only allowing like 210 yards uh, passing per game, which is like, more than 90 fewer yards than Ohio State is averaging on offense through the air. So what is it that the IU secondary has done this season to uh, keep passing attacks under control? Is it just athletes? Is it scheme? Um, what is it about the the back end of the Indiana defense that has been able to keep passing defenses under control, especially in the fact that Indiana is 4-0? So you imagine that a lot of the opposing offenses are going to have to throw late in games to try to catch up. Yeah, I think it's a couple things. Um, one, I, I think is depth, and, and depth is uh, something that this Indiana team on both sides of the ball is experiencing uh, at levels that they've just not seen since maybe 1993. I mean, it's been so so long since this program has been able to boast, you know, a, a two deep that they actually feel good about and not just paying lip service to. I mean, I think they really have, you know, guys backing up, you know, other guys up at virtually every position who they feel confident in. So depth, I think. Uh, is something that has really helped them being able to rotate guys in and out. Uh, but also pressure has been something that uh, Indiana has been able to, to put on opposing quarterbacks in, uh, pretty consistently. And it's been pretty surprising to be quite honest with you. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting a little bit of a push up front, but they're doing a really good job of, uh, you know, getting a pass rush in, in ways that may not have been uh, forecasted coming into the season, shall we say. I mean, they're, they're, they're blitzing corners. They're uh, I think, disguising coverages really well. Um, it, it's, I think, just the, the whole approach by defense coordinator Kane Womack, and, and certainly Tom Allen has a say in all of this, too, uh, has, has, been, has really paid off well. Again, you know, in, in, I don't think Indiana, you know, up front is going to win a ton of battles, but, you know, they got some intriguing guys. I mean, Jerome Johnson's a guy who's getting, who, you know, who's getting some pressure. James Head's another guy uh, on the edge that, uh, you know, has, has, has sort of a Big Ten body, a Big Ten makeup about him. 
Uh, and then too, just, you know, with the corner like Tywan Mullen, who's so good in coverage and also uh, showing that he can be effective uh, in blitzing situations. I, I think that's opening up a different dimension to this Indiana defense that, uh, again, we just have not seen uh, in so, so long, if ever. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch from afar. And obviously with uh, the game against Ohio State this weekend, if we throw that one out, because uh, I'm not going to put this one in the win column for you guys just yet, but uh, Indiana has games against Maryland, Wisconsin and the, the the rivalry game with Purdue to end the season like that's e I mean if you take the Ohio State game out in those last three games I mean that's easily at least two wins and if they can get the upset in three like that's a great season uh, for Indiana then you throw in whatever the champions week and whether or not there's bowl games I'm still up in the air as to whether or not that'll actually happen but um what is I mean where where is the feeling for the Indiana fandom as to what are we expecting for the rest of this season? I mean, is this a, um, obviously, like you said, you, I know you don't know that anyone necessarily expects them to beat Ohio state or Wisconsin, but I'm sure that people feel a lot better about it this year than they have in previous years. So obviously they'd like to go undefeated the rest of the way, but if they don't, what's considered like, Hey, this was a great season. Is, are they already there or do they need to win, you know, two of the last four and do well in the postseason? Like what are the expectations now that they've started the season four and oh, and have, you know, a pretty interesting last month of the season in front of them? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. It's a really interesting question too, just in terms of um, like I was saying earlier, I, I think that it was important for a lot of folks to probably um, you know, reset expectations going into a season like this, where you just, you know, you didn't have those traditional metrics to base success off of, whether it was six wins or, or what have you. But, um, you know, I think right now this season has been a success to this point, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I think from here, you, you need to hold serve. You need to, you need to beat a team like Maryland, you know, if for so long and, and probably will be for, you know, in perpetuity, you will probably have to, if you're Indiana, continue to beat the Maryland's. No, not probably. You will have to beat the Maryland's and the Rutgers and just, you know, yeah. avoid falling. Cause the whole thing is getting up a tier, you know, Ohio state's on a tier all its own. And for Indiana, really what they've wanted to do is get into that Penn state, Michigan tier, because that, you know, that's the, the clearest pathway to you right. know, a successful football season at Indiana is, you know, can you beat a, a Penn state or a Michigan every other year or whatever it is? Um, you know, so I, at this point, they've done both of those things. Uh, I, I think you, you want, obviously you want to beat Maryland and make sure that you're staying a tier above those guys. Um, you know, you want to win your rivalry game against Purdue, which will be in Bloomington this year. Uh, so I think right now, you know, looking at it, this back half of the schedule, assuming these games will be played, you know, right now, if you're an Indiana fan, I, I think everyone would be happy with obviously what they've done. Uh, but for now, I think it's, you know, beat Maryland, beat Purdue and, and you know, beat the team that you're matched up with uh, from the West uh, during Champions Week because I, again, I think um, you know it's I think it's a three I don't want to say three team race but I think there's three really good I mean Ohio State's elite Ohio State's the best team in the league uh, but then you have Indiana Wisconsin and after that there seems to be a bit of a gulf in terms yeah. of you know who's next best in the Big Ten right now so I think for Indiana fans what would constitute a really successful good uh, season would be again to to get three more wins you know and and then kind of see what happens in both season, but beat Maryland, beat Purdue and, and win that crossover game uh, next month too. And that crossover game very well could be against Northwestern and Peyton Ramsey, which could be a, a lot of fun for a lot of reasons uh, to, uh, to end the quote unquote regular season before they head into the bowl game. 
Yeah, I, I think also I think a lot of fans probably want to want to crack at uh, Nebraska too. I think I think a lot of teams in the East <laughs> want another crack at Nebraska for a number of reasons. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to Mike Miller. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeMillerSTL. And you can follow Crimson Quarry at, well, Crimson Quarry. If you are finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are releasing a different podcast episode almost every single day of the college football season with vastly different focuses and perspectives. I guarantee you will not find an Ohio State podcast feed, for better or for worse, quite like ours. Also, don't forget to follow LandGrantHolyLand on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.